Hey everybody, welcome to the 10 to 12 podcast, the official podcast of Teamsters Local 1150. I'm Stephen French. I'm Vinny Kaitzi. And I'm Jason Shoemaker. So we've been talking a lot um, about the organizing wave that's sweeping across the country right now, especially at Starbucks locations. Um, and since this began, that company changed its CEO. It's launched this fierce anti-union campaign. So today we're going to be updating you on, on that story and on some other things that are going on in the labor movement. Um, but first, let's take a dive into our contract, Jason. We may be a little late with this episode, but the past few weeks have been especially hot. So today we're going to talk about heat stress. Uh, the union has negotiated a heat stress procedure that kicks in when the weather forecast for Stratford, Connecticut in, um, exceeds 90 degrees. So you can follow along. There's actually a service called Weather Underground. You can download their app. The particular weather station or sensor that we follow is called Westport Place. Um, anytime that reaches 90 degrees, you're going to see these readings occur. Uh, so when this occurs, the company agrees to conduct a wet bulb thermometer temperature reading. Uh, and that occurs twice at 10 a.m. and at 4 p.m. And at, don't ask us what that is. It's <laughs> yeah. just a thing. Yeah, so I can actually tell you, it's basically a thermometer that factors in different uh, different factors like humidity, the dry temperature, the I think the solar load. Uh, nice. So a few different okay. factors together. Cool. But anyways, there's eight pre-established or agreed upon locations throughout the plant that are known as hot spots, and that's where these uh, readings take place. So beginning on the third day of a heat wave, an additional reading is actually added to take place at 7 a.m. And the reason for the three-day wait for that is it takes time for the, the heat to build up in the shop, but then it becomes an even bigger concern. Yep. Uh, so for anybody wondering, the, the column locations uh, of these testing locations are K7, K11, K15, R13, G19, the flight field, D4 in Shelton, and E13 in Bridgeport. Okay. And those are all just different departments. But if you look around at the columns, that's where you're going to see the readings taking place. Cool. Um, so if warranted, if the temperature you know, reads a high heat advisory, management and your stewards are going to circulate the information that there may be a work rest regimen. So basically, the company may identify that you need to take breaks, and they're going to regiment those breaks at certain times. Um, this obviously doesn't apply for anybody that's in an air-conditioned area. And depending on those areas I just listed, that's the one that would correspond to your department. If you have any questions about heat stress, you can always request a safety steward. Uh, since the addition of the ceiling fans, especially in final assembly, we don't hit uh, levels regularly that cause us to have you know a rest regimen. But it's still important that you be mindful of how you're feeling and make sure you take breaks, stay hydrated and all that. Um, in the event that you have an issue, it's important that you report it to your supervisor and definitely, you know, keep an eye out for each other while you're out there. It's a lot easier sometimes to see your coworker doesn't look very good and that person might yep. not, you know, kind of be aware of how bad they look. Um, so definitely keep an eye out. So a lot of people probably aren't really aware of what constitutes heat stress. You know, it's hot. It's tough for people to deal with the heat. Um, but you need to have a better idea of when this becomes medically important. So employees don't need to you know, drop to the floor for the, something to constitute heat stress. Uh, there's a, a long list of symptoms that can occur. And if you ignore the symptoms, that's when you get into trouble. If somebody's starting to experience heat stress, you move them somewhere cool, you start treating them, and it's easy to reverse. But the longer you wait, the, the more you know, uh, dangerous it becomes. So we're going to take you through just a list of some of those most common symptoms that you're going to see. And again, these are the points where you want to start, you know, really paying attention. So so let's just list them and then we can go back and talk about them. Sure. It's, it's heat fatigue, heat rashes, heat collapse, heat cramps, heat exhaustion, heat stroke. Right. right? So so let's let's kind of talk about all those heat fatigue. Right. Yeah. So. Anytime that you're getting used to the heat, it typically takes people about three weeks to get adjusted to high heat, and you're more susceptible in that time that time frame of having a, an adverse event. Yeah. Um, so heat fatigue is exactly like it sounds. It basically is improved or sorry, impaired performance or cognition, and uh, there's no treatment for it except to remove the heat stress and move someone to you know a cooler area. Um, yeah. The next one would be heat rash which I think people have probably seen that. It's like a, a prickly rash on yep. your skin, typically where you have you know constriction due to clothing, and it tends to go away after you've left the hot area. 
Um, but that's something that could get infected. And when you work in a sweaty shop seven days a week, that's something you need to be mindful of. Yes. All right. Um, heat collapse would be the next one. So if your brain's not getting enough oxygen because it's pooling in your arms and legs, uh, that person could actually pass out. And that's a big concern if you're that on the top deck concern. of an aircraft or in a confined area. Yeah, without a doubt. And and even before we, we continue on with these, it's really important for people like you said, Jason, to, to make sure that they're aware of how they're feeling. Right. And 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 I want to caution people, don't abuse this, right? Don't let's not play games with this because these these heat related issues, health issues are real, right? And and if you're experiencing symptoms, you got to make sure somebody knows about it and you got to get into a place that's cool. You got to cool yourself off, yep. right? But but that doesn't mean that we should be all hanging around in the air conditioning and making a claim that we're not feeling well, yeah. right? Let's 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 treat it with respect and if you're not feeling well, let your supervisor know and and ask your supervisor if you can get into a cool place for a few minutes. Yeah, the heat's going to be uncomfortable for everybody and it, it it is rough to get through these summers we get yep. that um but like steve said there's a big difference between what constitutes you know a heat stress injury and what constitutes you know an annoyance of being in a hot exactly environment we all hate the heat it's hot right it's hot and it's sweaty and it yep. doesn't feel good um but but if you're having a health issue make sure you report that yep so what's next so heat cramps, just like they sound, you know, if you don't have the electrolytes you need, you should be drinking Gatorade is available, um, yeah, it is. but different things to make sure that you're not cramping up. Heat exhaustion, obviously, if you're getting a headache, nausea, vertigo, weakness, um, if you're thirsty, you've waited too long. Mm-hmm. And then uh, giddiness, which we don't typically see. It's a course. <laughs> Vinny's a little giddy. I can be from time to time. Uh, so do do we have the um, the freeze pops down in Stratford? We do. Yeah. Okay. They're um, like they're like a Gatorade type of thing. Yeah, they've got electrolytes in yeah, them. The key good. to that is finding a freezer that hasn't been opened so many times that the cold right. air is blown out. And right. You got to plan in advance for this. And again, folks who are working in the air conditioning, please don't come out into the hot areas of the shop and take the freeze pops. They're not for you. They're for the people who work out there. Yes. Uh, The last one I want to touch on is heat stroke. This is the most serious, and it occurs when the body's system of temperature regulation just fails to do what it needs to do. Um, So basically your body temperature rises to a critical level, and it's difficult to predict, you know, if and when this can happen. Somebody that's in great physical condition could experience heat stress when somebody not in great condition doesn't have it. So it's it's something that can really vary case by case. Um, but the primary signs would be confusion, irrational behavior, loss of consciousness, convulsions, and uh, a lack of sweating, which if you're not sweating, you know, that, that you're not cooling your yeah. body. Yeah. And, you know, to be clear, you can die from this. Yeah. Yeah. So if a, if a worker shows signs of possible heat stroke, uh, they need professional medical treatment and it should be obtained immediately. They should be placed in a, a shady area, remove any outer clothing and they should be, you know, given like a wet towel to kind of cool down their skin, uh, some fluids that could be replaced slowly so you don't get sick. And uh, make sure that they're being seen. If you're in an off shift, your foreman should be calling the fire department out. And yep. that can be embarrassing or a little uncomfortable, but don't be embarrassed. Make sure you get the help that you need. Um, regardless of how the worker feels, no employee should be sent home that is being um, suspected of being ill from heat stroke. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't be left unattended either. Um, so unless they've been medically cleared by the fire department to leave or if they've been cleared by medical, um, you don't want a foreman doing what we've seen in a lot of cases saying to somebody, oh, yeah, yep. sure, just go home for the day. Yeah, bad idea. Um, and like Steve said, we want to be mindful of not being extreme with saying something that's not heat stress is heat stress. But on the same note, an employee should not be using their own time to cover a work-related injury Absolutely, in right. the event that they experience true heat stress. Yep. If it's too hot at work and you get sick because of it, that's, you know, that, that's, that's a compensable um, medical condition. Right. So we need to make sure that we're, we're being treated by the firefighters. And like you said, Jason, not being sent home. Yeah. Um, not only is that kind of a violation of our rights, we shouldn't be paying for that stuff, but it's dangerous. Right. Right. Yeah. And and I want to really highlight the importance of work, you know, looking out for your coworker. This past week, I was stopped by one of our forklift drivers, George Waters, out in final assembly. And he happened to be rolling through, saw an employee sitting on the line, 
and the employee was just red in the face, uh, did not look like they were doing all right in the heat. And he actually stopped, got off, talked to the employee, made sure they were okay. Turned out they needed some extra help, and he ended up getting the foreman. And unfortunately, this is one of the cases where the foreman sent the employee home without treatment. Yep. And, you know, I wouldn't have been made aware if George didn't make me aware. So thank you to George for, you know, doing what we should all be doing. But some, sometimes people don't realize the severity of, of their illness. And it takes a coworker to say, hey, you don't look so good yep. um, and kind of start the ball rolling. So make sure that you do that. Aside from taking breaks, uh, ice water is available. Gatorade is available. Everybody has the option to kind of be the person to go down for their shift. At the start of the shift, uh, there's water jugs available in the calf. You can bring down the old jugs. They'll clean them. They'll sanitize them. You don't have to wait for that. They actually have other jugs ready. They'll mix up uh, Gatorade with ice, water with ice, and give you as many as you need to bring back to the area. And like Steve said, the freeze pops are available. You can check them out at the tool crib and put them in freezers, try to plan in advance a day, and that way they'll have them ready for your shift. Excellent. Good stuff. I think the most important thing, two things, right? Just be aware of how you're feeling and keep an eye on your coworkers, like you said, Jason. That's that's really important to do. Um, Make sure we're taking care of one another. Um, and, and just be safe out there, right? It does get hot and it gets, it gets nasty and some people do get sick. Yeah. And if you have any doubts, please call your steward. If you're, yes. you're unsure whether or not, you know, Hey, was that a work comp injury or, you know, should I have to eat that time? Make sure you call for a steward and find out the answer. Yep. Okay. So, so let's get on to the, the main topic for today, which you know, I hope people aren't getting sick and tired of listening to this because I think it's really important. Um, the What's going on in the labor movement in this country, specifically at Starbucks, is groundbreaking. It is. Right? Um, the, the numbers just keep getting better and better for labor. Um, so, so there's a wave, right? There's a wave at Starbucks and it's, and it's continuing to sweep the country. And, and the company is starting to fight back. Yeah. Right, Starbucks is definitely starting to fight back. Well, that's why they moved Howard Schultz back into the CEO. Absolutely, seat. that's his third stint, right? It's his third stint so. as CEO, and he's the union buster, right? That's what his job is. I think one of the last times he busted unions, and that's why they brought him back. They thought he was going to have the same, uh, yep. the same thing happen this but time. But he's, but he's working it, right? Yep. He's making things difficult, and we have to make sure that um, that we support those workers that are. Um, that are that are trying really hard to to fight for their rights. Right now, as of July 18th, which is right before we recorded this, um, 196 stores with thousands of employees working there have voted to unionize. Yeah. Um, so the NLRB has certified decisions against unionization as well, but only in 15 locations. So that I mean. It pales in comparison. So right now the score is 196 to 15. Yeah, I'll take it. And, and, I just and we're winning the game. <clears throat> yeah, we're winning it. And, right. uh, and if I'm not mistaken, I think over 50 were unanimous. Yeah. 52. 52. Yep. 52, 52 were unanimous. Yep. That's awesome. So dozens of other stores right now are currently you know, in the process of holding elections, so the numbers keep getting better and better. But like you mentioned, uh, Vinny, Howard Schultz, he replaced Kevin Johnson as CEO back in April of this year. Um, this is his third time as CEO, like I mentioned. Uh, and, and Starbucks was clear that, that this change was directly related to the successful union drives across the company, right? So he's there to fight this. Uh, back in, in mid-July, Schultz posted a video to Twitter. This was a really important time. He, he was announcing that Starbucks is beginning to close stores due to concerns over employee safety. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> that, that's the message from them, right? Yeah. This is about employee safety. And, and it's not true. It's just a lie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in the video, he said that we're beginning to close stores, and this is just the beginning. There are going to be many more. That's what he said. Um, and, and what he means by that is if you start to, to do a union drive at one of our stores, we're going to close the store. I mean, that's the message that I'm getting from yeah. it. Um, so the initial announcement includes the, the closure of 16 stores where the company says they're unable to create a safe working environment. And so th- th- their rhetoric is is surrounding, you know, things like mass shootings, you know, um, um, uh, y- you know, homelessness, 
homeless people coming into the restaurants or the stores and, and using the restrooms because Starbucks has this open restroom policy that you don't have to be a customer to use the yeah, restrooms. They actually just changed that, I, I, uh, I e They either changed it or are changing it. Yep. Um, they're looking to change it. But, you know, this is the kind of thing that they're using as an excuse to say, hey, we can't create a safe work environment for our workers and we're going to close the store. And, and, and when the union organizers are, are claiming, hey, this is about unions, this is about us trying to organize those stores, the companies come back is, no, it's not because we're offering those people work at neighboring stores. Well, yeah, you are, but you're, you know, you're watering down the the pool yeah exactly right so all of the people who wanted to unionize in that one store are getting dispersed to other stores yeah. right? right so they're getting mixed in to an anti-union workforce. i mean what what could happen here and hopefully this is what happens it backfires and they end up unionizing those stores all of those stores yeah. right well right. one of the ways it's backfiring is through strikes so the workers are at the point where they're like, we're not going to fold to this. Yep. And in the past month, there have been uh, strikes at Starbucks locations in 12 different cities in a month. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And that's good, right? Uh, I mean, you know, the strike needs to be used more. It, it is. It does. Our, it's our only weapon, right? It's the only weapon that we as unions have to fight against unfair employers. And we need to use it. It's a big stick to, to swing around, right? But we have to use it yeah. when it's necessary. Um, so what do you guys think about it? Do you, got, do you guys agree with me that this is all about unions? Yeah, of course they do. Um, yeah. Do you think there's any truth to no. what they're saying about the safety of workers? No. I don't either. So what they're doing is they're using the workers' own words against them. Right? Yeah. Because the workers who are trying to organize these stores are citing safety as one of their concerns, right? They're saying, hey, worker safety isn't, isn't up to snuff. Um, you know, and, and the company needs to do something about it. And the company returns and says, yeah, we'll do something about it. We'll yeah. close your store. Yeah. I may be a little off on this, but one of the first ones they decided to close is one of the first ones that successfully unionized. Yeah. And one of the yeah. issues that they rallied around was a grease trap that was, I guess, getting clogged or was unsafe. And the company, after the fact, after they've now unionized, said, you know what? You're right. This store's a dump. We got to close it. Yeah, and, and that's ridiculous. Instead of calling a plumber and to fix the grease trap. Yeah, and the workers are being smart too in their approach to fight back. They're looking at, hey, we know this is a profitable store. We know that there are low incident yeah. numbers of you know violence or anything that's affecting the store to remain open. So we we're calling your bluff. Yep. Yep. And it's really on the you know the NLRB to keep filing lawsuits that are protecting workers' rights. Yep. And, you know, not to go on a tangent here, but that's why it's important that we have people in the NLRB that are pro-worker. Exactly. No exactly. So, you know, some of the stores that they're closing um, are actually under an active union drive right now. Right. So that's pretty blatant to me. Um, in some of those cases, the employees there have filed unfair labor practice charges with the NLRB. So they're fighting back, right, saying, hey, they just closed our store because we're trying to unionize. Um, I, I think... You know, being realistic, I think it's going to be a tough thing to prove, but um, yeah, but we still have to file those charges, right? Those charges have to be filed. You cannot win a fight if you don't get in the fight. Absolutely, right? I agree. So Schultz is saying, you know, more more outtakes from his video. He said that this is all a part of his effort to quote reinvent Starbucks for the future. Um, you know, he's, he's admitting that this is based on employee feedback, but that employee feedback isn't coming from, you know, employee surveys. It, it's coming from employees who are trying to unionize and they're, they're naming safety as one of their issues, right? So he's saying, well, our employees are saying that it's unsafe, so we have to close these stores. Um, it, it's just, it's a clear message to, to the employees who are trying to organize. Yes, it is. Right. Um, so, so some specific stuff, right? What, what's going on out there in Starbucks? On July 18th, the workers at, at the Starbucks uh, on Commonwealth Avenue in Boston, which is near Boston U University, went on strike. So that's what you're talking about, Jason. we got to go on strike, right? So they are striking. Um, that's one of the stores, right, that unionized yep. already. Um, in fact, one of the ones you're talking about, Vinny, that was unanimous. Yep, right? 10 to 0. 10 to 0 margin. They... they um, they won their vote, and um, that was back in, I want to say, April? No, that was earlier than April. When did those guys vote? 
I don't know when they voted. Um, but, but the store still has refused to engage in contract negotiations, right? So they're not engaging with the union. Yeah. They're, they're not doing what they're supposed to do. Um, and, and so, so those workers kind of went crazy, right? They, they, they went on strike. They posted this letter online that, um, that claims workers have been subject to unfair labor practices, a chaotic and hostile work environment, right? Um, so let's talk about that store in particular, because I think this is, it illustrates what the problem is and what tactics the company sure. is using, right? So there's a manager by the name of, of I, 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 I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, Tommy Chorlane. Um, Tommy is a woman, right? T-O-M-I. Yeah. Um, Tommy Chorlane uh, was assigned to the store as the temporary manager right after the union vote. Right. So that's yep. what the company did. Um, every, they, they voted for a union and the company immediately inserted an anti-union, anti-worker manager. Isn't it nice. funny when they when they announce a union drive, right? In the non-union places, they increase pay and benefits. And in the union places, they find the most heinous union yep. buster they can put in place. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's amazing. It, so, it's it's a tactic. So employees said that Charlene made illegal threats of discipline or termination if workers did not comply with with a new availability policy. Right. So so right off the bat, this manager comes in and starts threatening people, threatening their jobs, threatening yeah. discipline. Right. You're going to comply with this new policy, um, which has to do with, uh, you know, availability to work. Right. I don't know what that policy looks like. I tried to find it online. Um, I can't find what the policy says, but clearly it's a policy that the workers don't necessarily well, like. Well, let me ask you guys this, and, I, and it, this is, goes in a little different direction. Now, they're not unionized, but say they were, and you guys were the, the shop steward there. How would, how would you uh, combat that? Well, for one, we would have direct language about yeah. like what call-in procedures are. So right. my understanding, a lot of this availability issue is that they're disciplined for not being available on short notice, which is crazy. Right. It's like our guards you know, being ordered onto overtime. Right. And I've read reports that these stores regularly understaff um, the number of hours needed to run of the course. store they do. so that they hit their numbers. Yeah. And then they discipline employees for not being more available. Yeah. Yep. They absolutely do that. Every single Starbucks out there that is either successfully unionized or that is trying to unionize has pointed to the understaffing of shifts. Right. And, you know, forced overtime and things like that. Yeah. And they've said, too, one of the things they're bargaining for is I should get some sort of premium rate if you understaff the store and make me work like an animal yep. all day long yep. to keep up with the rush. Yep. And they, um, should, they should get a premium rate. And what this manager that they hired did is she came in and immediately started aggressively cutting hours for senior employees yep. and then understaffed all shifts that were available while at the same time, they hire an influx of new workers that they're hoping are going to be, you know, less union. Exactly. Uh, union friendly. Yeah. Union friendly. Yep. Right. So so it's counterintuitive, right? You're cutting the hours of the senior employees. The employees want to work. You're cutting their hours and then you're hiring new people right. to take those hours. It's a blatant attack on these workers. Um, they picked the wrong city. <laughs> Yeah, they, they did, did pick the wrong city. They did. Right, Boston's not the place to do that. Boston no. is pretty well uh, in tune with the labor movement. Yeah, there's a lot of unions in Boston, um, and there's probably a lot of union workers in Boston that are not buying their coffee yeah. at that particular Starbucks probably. right now. Right? So um, th those workers are also accusing um, this new manager of um, what they call perpetuating harmful and offensive rhetoric with respect to race, gender, and orientation of both workers and customers. So so th this manager, and I, I'm not sure exactly what that means, right? I know what it means. I mean, but I have an idea. No, I mean, no, I know what it means, but I don't know, you know, th th this manager is obviously making comments about people's race. Yep. Making racist comments, making maybe... Gotta, comments about people who are trans or have a manager that's a bigot right <laughs> i mean that's and, what it is and that's what it is and the other protected class they're leaving out is their union you know union status yep. so 
they're retaliating uh, against people like just this, for being pro-union. This yes. manager needs to be shredded. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's no question about it, but this is intentional, right? Yes. This is what the company's doing. You know, and Vin, they actually only ask that the manager be retrained. Right. <laughs> well, they said retrained or, or terminated. Yeah. Right. So they, they listen, but but they're they are saying you know, fine, keep her here, but train her so that she treats us properly. But here's the thing. She they is did train. Trained. Right. They trained <laughs> she her just trained. How they, she's trained well. Yes. Right. Uh, that's the problem. Well, we're she's paying doing her extra. Yeah, yeah. She's doing exactly what, what they want her to do. Um, so, I mean, Boston is really a hotbed for organizing at Starbucks. There's, there's a bunch of stores that are either organized or going, uh, undergoing votes right now. Um, there, there's another store in the city that went on strike back in May over management keeping employees at work despite serious water leaks. So, so there was a situation where there was a water leak. Um, it came through the ceiling. It was, it was pouring onto an espresso machine or multiple espresso oh. machines. It was, it was pouring down on the countertops, on the floor, and, and on the workers themselves, right? And they complained and said, listen, we can't work in these conditions. And, and the manager said, yeah, you're staying. Ugh. Right, you have to stay at work. We're keeping the store open, and you're staying at work. So um, they went on strike back in May over that. So um, again, to your point, Jason, they're trying this stuff in Boston, which is a terrible idea, yeah. you know, because when when those folks go home, right, they're probably talking to another pro union person, right? They're talking to their friends, yeah. they're talking to their family who are pro union, right? So so they're not coming into this thing. Um, without some kind of knowledge based on how to fight these things. It, right? sh it shows how desperate Starbucks is right now. Yeah. Um, so other other Boston Starbucks stores, um, the workers there have alleged that, that the company engages in anti-union practices like, you know, changing schedules, um, increasing discipline through the store. Um, and, and of course, um, what they call mandatory listening sessions, <laughs> which, which are what? Captive, captive audience, captive audience meetings. Captive audience meetings. We, you know, we talk about that on almost every episode on on our podcast. So, um, in in April, the Boston City Council actually passed a resolution in support of Starbucks workers. So, so the city of Boston, um, you know, made a move. Right, the city council made a move because, again, to your point, Jason, the city is pro union. Right, so they passed a resolution. Um, and it, it called on Starbucks to, quote, immediately renounce its anti-union tactics and agree to fair election principles and negotiate in good faith. Perfect. Right. So um, this is a resolution. Right. So it's kind of an order to Starbucks to say, hey, get to the table. Yeah. Right, and start. Absolutely. Organizing. Since then, if you look at it, Starbucks workers, uh, the union's Instagram page. They've got what looks like one of those missing person ads on a milk carton, and it says "Wanted uh, <laughs> yes. Howard Schultz right. at oh, the really? bargaining table." Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. That's and, awesome. I wonder if he's going to show up. You know, yeah, I don't think he himself he, will he show says, up. He's uh, a no show. Have you seen this man, Howard D. Schultz, sixty-nine years old, gray hair, hazel's eyes, hazel eyes, three point nine billion dollar net worth, <laughs> wanted at the bargaining table? That's awesome. <laughs> Um, so, so there's other stuff going on at Starbucks, right? It's not just in Boston. Where else is it? Yeah. So employees at the first Starbucks union to unionize in the, uh, Detroit area went on strike July 19th. Uh, they said that management retaliated against them for unionizing, cut their hours and imposed impossible conditions oh, on them. God. So, so this is a theme, right? Every store that organizes, they go in and they start cutting hours. Right. And the other thing they do is they go in and start enforcing policies they've never enforced yep. on yeah. only the union employees. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yep. Um, so that store in Detroit is in what's called Partridge Creek. They voted to unionize in June. And since then, 10 other Detroit area Starbucks have voted in favor of unionizing since then. So right. the, really, they're grasping at straws trying to figure they can't stop. They can't get yeah. off this train. Yeah, yeah they, they can't. And, and what they're doing, and, and I think it's very calculated that they went to that first store. Right. They went to the first store to unionize and they started making all these changes, threatening workers, yep. cutting their hours. And that's a message to those other 10 stores. 
Right. Keep it up, and we're going to do the same thing at yeah. your store. Well, and it's a delicate dance because you can only cut so many hours and hire so many new people without cutting into your own profits and, and exactly. really wrecking yeah. yourself. Yeah. yeah. So they don't have much wiggle room here. No, they don't. And so, I mean, Starbucks is a big company, yeah. right? It's a big company, but I'm not sure that they can afford to do this nationwide. No. Right. I'm not sure if they can. So we got to keep we got to keep organizing these Starbucks yeah. and make and keep the pressure on. Yep. So so one of the big ones um, is going on at the the flagship store in Seattle. So I mean Seattle is where Starbucks is. is yep. It's is, the home. Right. That's that's the home of of Starbucks. So at um, one of the flagship stores in Seattle, the the company is the, the company's refusing to bargain, and the workers went on strike. Right. So again, the company is not coming to the bargaining table after the workers voted to unionize. And so those guys are on strike waiting for the company to come to the table, also striking over the company's planned closure of several stores in Seattle, um, which, you know, the union is yeah. saying it is, it's union busting, which it is. Um, <clears throat> they they voted in favor of unionizing back on April 21st, and the company still hasn't come to the, yeah. the table, right? And actually, out in Seattle at one of the roasteries there, uh, five days ago, they decided to go on strike. That store usually makes fifty to $60,000 on a Sunday. Um, wow. So they said no contract, no coffee. Yeah. So they're, they're having an impact. Fantastic. Um, you know, we're going to go down the list, right? It continues this pattern um, at a Starbucks in Augusta, Georgia. Workers went on strike on July 19th over the company's refusal to bargain since their April vote to join a union. Um, so the, the, the workers are on strike. Um, they're citing not only that, but significant cutting of hours and a denial of time off requests um, as reasons for their strike. So it, it's a pattern. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is we're this not is in gonna, the book. Yep. We're not going to bargain. Right. We're not going to recognize you and sit at the bargaining table with you. We're going to cut your hours and we're going to make some other changes. Right. We're going to sprinkle in some other stuff like increased discipline, yeah. um, not honoring your request for vacation time it's or whatever terrible. it is. Right. Yeah, right now, the National Labor Relations Board is prosecuting Starbucks for over 200 labor law violations. Wow. So how, and, and this has always been my complaint about the National Labor Relations Board. That sounds awesome, right? It sounds awesome. But if Starbucks is found to be guilty in those cases, what's the penalty? They're going to post a notice. Exactly. Yeah. They're going to post a notice saying... We were scumbags. We, yeah. We were scumbags. We're sorry. And we're not yeah. going to do that anymore. But we're still scumbags. See, right. The law has to give the NLRB more teeth. Exactly. And that's there's, why we need the PRO Act. There's no teeth to the NLRB, and that's always been my complaint. And and I'm not alone in that, yeah. right? I, I, I started complaining about that because everybody else is complaining about it, right? Yeah. I'm just getting on the bandwagon. Yeah, Starbucks has shown that if you can manipulate the size of the bargaining units by forcing stores to you know group together— you can prevent a union. Yeah. Um, but on the on the contrary to that, if you allow workers to band together and set small bargaining units and go one for one, yeah, you're going to get this storm across the country. Yeah. Yep. And then it just won't stop. Yep. So I found one more on July 1st. Workers um, at the Starbucks in Edgewater, Illinois, suburb of Chicago, they walked off the job after management. Did what? Cut, Cut their, their hours. hours and understaff their shifts immediately after they voted in favor of unionizing. And they're obviously making a profit. So when they cut all these hours, you got to realize they're cutting off their, you know, their own nose in spite of their face. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Just because they're trying to get rid of unions so bad. Yep. Um, Vinny, I know you know um, what's going on yeah. at Starbucks in Connecticut, By right? By a 13 to 1 margin, workers at the Starbucks in Vernon, Connecticut voted to unionize, being yes. the second one in the state. That's awesome. My brother-in-law lives in Vernon. I'm going to go visit that Starbucks yeah. when I go visit my brother-in-law. Awesome. Um, that's great. So that's the second Connecticut location, right? Yeah. They're citing low pay, understaffing, huh? scheduling, huh? Um, <laughs> and unfair treatment as the key issues as to why they um, unionize and they want them addressed. A few right. other things they talk about is sudden what they call love bombing, where the company's just totally kissing your ass uh, <laughs> pizza parties picnics help on the floor from you know managers and higher-ups huh 
hinting at new benefits without actually giving them. So that's another big one to look out for. Right, right. And uh, speaking on partner relationships, as they like to call them. Mm. Oh, so that, is that at, <laughs> at stores that have not been organized? I, I think it's going on at both. Okay. Because, you know, I, I know that the union at a high level is very concerned with direct dealing, right? right? They're, they're talking a lot about how the company is refusing to, to sit at the negotiating table, but that they're direct dealing with workers, right? And that must be what they're talking about, right? right? They're hinting at these, these increased benefits when they should be doing that at the bargaining table, yep. right? Um, <clears throat> so organizers in, in West Hartford, this is kind of dovetailing with um, the Vernon store just recently, voting in favor of the union in West Hartford, Connecticut, um, which was the first Connecticut location to unionize. Um, the organizers there say that the company has continually walked out of negotiations. So that's a different tactic, right? They are sitting at the table, but they're just, they're stonewalling the union, right? It's they're insane. not really talking about anything of substance and they keep walking out of negotiations, um, really refusing to take part in any meaningful conversations. Um, and, and that's been uh, since the beginning of June when they voted 13 to 3 to unionize. Right. So Starbucks sucks. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's the message I think that we're Agreed. sending. Um, and but listen, go to Starbucks. Right. If you're a Starbucks coffee drinker, you know, the the new the new train of thought, I think, in the in the labor movement is don't necessarily boycott those companies that are doing these things. Go in there and talk up the union. Right. Because you're supporting the workers. Right? You're supporting the workers by going there. So um, if, if we boycott these companies, if we completely boycott Starbucks, we're going to shut Starbucks down. And, and those workers who we're trying to support are going to be out of jobs. Right? So, so that's kind of the train of thought. We have to find a way to support those workers, but, um, but still fight the company yep. on this. Right? So as union workers, we have an obligation to do that. Stuff going on all over the labor movement. Um, so let's take a step out of um, outside of Starbucks for a minute. Talk about Chipotle. What's going on in Chipotle? Chipotle, the, the $7.5 billion global fast food chain, is closing its Augusta, Maine restaurant after workers made uh, public their intention to form a union. Awesome. We're, we're going to unionize. And they said, no, you're not. We're shutting your store down. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, I went on I went on their website and and looked around Chipotle. I'm not a fan um, since they you know poisoned people a couple of times. Oh, that's I, right. I, I stopped. That. That I stopped eating me. there. You know, it's funny because and I want to tell this story. Um, it happened twice. There were two major uh, incidents nationwide at Chipotle where you know people got really sick. A lot of people got really sick from their food for whatever reason, right? I don't, I, I don't know why they got sick. Um, it, it's, you know, how they handle their food, keeping garbage close to the food prep areas. I don't know. I don't think but they closed any stores for that, though. They didn't. No, of course no, not. No. <laughs> so, so that happened. I know I stopped going to, to Chipotle, and I liked Chipotle. I, I liked the I food. I liked the Chipotle. <laughs> um, but I, I stopped going there, right? And, and for a while, my son stopped going there, too. He was a big fan. He went back, right? Uh, this was maybe a month ago. He went back to Chipotle. He said, and he said to me, Dad, I'm going to try it again. You know, I'm, I'm giving it a shot. And he went to Chipotle and he got himself a burrito and he ate almost the entire burrito until he found a bug in the burrito. Oh. He's done with Chipotle, right? So, so um, you know, it, they, they got something wrong going on at Chipotle, not just the way they treat their workers, oh, right? But, but back to this, right? They, I went on their website, and, and they have this whole campaign of being real, right? And, and being real is mostly pointed at their ingredients, right? They use real ingredients yeah. with no fake crap in there, right, uh, uh, other than the bugs. Um, I guess the bugs Extra are real. Extra protein. Yeah, the bugs are real, right? <laughs> um, but part of this being real thing, it also means um, and also applies to um, treating their people right. And it says that right on their website. You know, being real means treating our people right. Just like Starbucks. Just yeah, like, yeah. Well. just like. I mean, and, and come on. You're treating your people right by closing their restaurant because well. they want to exercise their constitutional right. 
Mm-hmm. Apparently everything's real except for their wages and their benefits. That's that's very well. It's real low. Yeah. Right. Um. So they're they're closing that restaurant. Um. So you know, doing a little research, organizer by the name of Brandy McNeese. Um, she said, quote, since we announced our intent to unionize, they've tried to bully, harass, and intimidate our crew to prevent them from exercising the right to have a collective voice on the job. Um, she, she went on to say they, they remain united, um, and so the company is closing the restaurant, right? Um, good stuff, Chipotle. <sighs> Thanks for the bugs. Thanks for the good treatment of your workers. Um, I'll stay away. So I think the trend that we're seeing is that the playbook, you know, they're using the same anti-union firms to bust across the country, um, trying to combat unions in the same exact ways. Uh, They attack benefits in the same ways. They attack organizing drives in the same ways. And what we're seeing is that once a union vote is secured, uh, the hardest part and the next part is to negotiate a contract with the employer. That's right. And that's where all these stall tactics are coming in. Yep. Um, so th- this is the most common anti-union tactic used by employers after a vote secured. They just delay the process. Yep. You've got a year. Run out the clock. Right. You've got a one-year window to uh, negotiate that first contract, and they love to drag their feet. Yeah, and they do. They they really drag their feet. And and again, we don't have any real good um, laws with teeth that force them to go and do that. No, right? actually only 40% of unions are able to negotiate a contract within the first year after a union vote. And that's pathetic. And then that is bad. another 75% get a contract done within three years of a union vote, which that's such a crazy amount of time. You look at companies like Amazon with 100% turnover, yep. and it's going to be a different workforce yeah, by the time yes. you get the contract. And, and I think that's the point. So that other 25% take more than three years right, yep. to, to secure a contract if they do get a contract. Um, and this undermines the unions, right? They've legitimately, legally secured their right to negotiate on behalf of their members, and the, the company's not engaging in what they're lawfully required to do. Well, at the same time, they're all coming out publicly for their own image and saying, we respect their right to choose. Whatever yep. they choose, we'll, you know, we'll abide by. Yep, but they don't, right? That's, that's a lie. Here's the problem, right? And Jason, you mentioned Amazon. It's a perfect example because of the turnover, right? So they delay, they delay, they delay. The workforce changes over time while they're delaying that that negotiating process. The employer can actually withdraw its recognition of the union if it can prove that the union no longer has majority status, right? So they, yeah. can, they can delay to the point where the union gets decertified, right? They can convince workers to have a decertification vote. And, you know, if they're doing their homework and they're looking at the workforce and yeah. listening to the workforce, they can they can strategically do that, right? Yep. Give and, some empty promises. Yep. Get people back on your side. Yep. And the other thing that they're doing is they're creating the need for the union to continue organizing that workforce after they've already won. That's right. Which is an added cost. Yep. It takes time, money, and manpower to do that. It does. But listen, that's a message to us because we should be doing that. Right. You know, we talked on this podcast in the past about internal organizing, right? It, we have to continue to organize yes, even do. after we secure that vote. We need to continually talk to our current members. Members. We need to talk to prospective members, meaning new employees, and continually organize workers, right? Yes, the company is forcing us to do that, but we should be doing that anyway. Yep. Yeah, I think in our environment, it's easier for us because we have, you know, kind of the proof is in the pudding. We can show people what we're able to yes, do. Exactly. Um, but when you're getting delayed on a first contract, it's hard to, you know, convince people of your value when they haven't been able to see it in, you know, yes, in practice. Absolutely. Yet. And that's why that it's a, a successful tactic, right? Um, Like you said, Sikorsky Aircraft is not trying to bust the union. No, but imagine after three years of fighting for your first contract, being an organizer, looking at, you know, the workers in the face and saying, well, you know, well, what are you able to do for me? It's been three years. Yeah. Yeah. Makes it very difficult. We we here, you know, we're a really good union. Local 1150 is a really good, really strong union. And we hear it from members, right? We hear it from members saying, oh, what are you guys doing for us? Imagine being a worker at Amazon 
voting yes for a union and then three years later you don't even have a contract, I I think maybe I would say the same thing. Yeah. Hey, what are you doing for me? I voted for you guys. Where's my contract? Yeah, and Vin, you talked about the PRO Act, but one of the things that these laws are looking to do is to incorporate time limits that are essential to bringing fairness into this process. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That, that, and, and that is, you know, again, no teeth right now. There's no teeth right now. We need to hold these companies accountable right you will bargain a contract within a year and people yeah. you know people probably think about well what's the worst they're doing you know how bad is it but it's not just like oh you know you shouldn't form a union because it's not good for us they're actually you know they're terminating people's employment unlawfully uh, they're surveilling their workers they're interrogating pro-union workers they're making threats and selectively enforcing rules and yep. retaliating yeah. in the truest sense against the people that support unions. Yep. And, and, uh, and you know, you go back to Starbucks. At, at Starbucks, the, the union recognizes that, right? The union is recognizing that. And they, they actually, there are actually upwards of 200 charges against Starbucks for unfair labor practices like you're talking about. And when they attack the senior employees, that's a way of resetting their cost structure so that they're able to hire in new, you know, yep. le lower paid, less union friendly employees. Yep. So this is a problem, right? It doesn't end with that union vote. We we come on this podcast week after week after week and we celebrate what's going on at Starbucks. It's important to talk about what happens after those those union votes, right? We need to continue to support those workers. Go to a Starbucks that's already unionized and talk to them, right? And say, listen, we know it's hard, right? We know that this waiting for them to bargain is hard, but hang in there yeah, because it's worth it. Yeah. And then go to one that hasn't unionized yet and wear a Teamster shirt. They, yes. They tremble. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Good idea. But, you know, I went to one in Fairfield, and the staff was talking about how it's unfair how short their break is, and they don't have enough time to actually, like, get on break and go take their break. Yep. And I said to them, well, you need to start a union. Have you watched, you know, anything that's going on? They were unaware that there's been a, a Starbucks union drive. How is that possible? It's yep. crazy. Yep. And then they said, well, it's not up to us. It's up to management whether or not we get to have a union. And I said, to them, no, no, that's oh, no. not how any of this works. No. And I, as they're making my coffee, I gave them a quick lesson. Um, but I said to them, all you need is half the people at this store to want a union. You yeah. can start a union. Yeah. And you're going to get those breaks pretty quickly. Oh, my God. That's so you, shocking. You can yeah. just make a big difference just as a customer in five minutes. And then when I left that store, they were all still talking amongst each other about, you know, good. what things they should change. That's good. you got to keep going there. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's a little out of the way, but is it? it's yeah. worth the ride if it helps them out. Where, where is it? Out in Fairfield. On, okay. Uh, all right. I was just in Fairfield. I could have stopped by. Um, yeah, that kind of stuff is important, right? We, you know, we did a day of action years ago at Walmart and it was a nationwide effort, you know, just to go into a Walmart and talk to workers about unions. And, and I did, I, I, I took part in that and, and some of the stuff you're talking about happened, right? I would approach workers and say, Hey, could I talk to you about a union? And they were terrified. They, they were begging me not to talk to them Yeah, because Apparently, they knew this was coming, management did, and they told workers, you better not get caught talking to those people or you're going to get fired. Yeah, right? I didn't specify which Fairfield store because they probably close all, you know, all two of them right. tomorrow. Maybe right. we could do a day of action at Starbucks. Absolutely. Maybe we should. We should. Let's, I, at, you know, as the uh, 10 to 12 podcast. More on that. All right. So that's about it, right, for, um, for what we're talking about again um, let's continue as union workers to support those folks at Starbucks and any anywhere else, um, you know, where there's an organizing campaign going on or or they've already voted in favor of a union. Um, but let's move on. What's going on? What do we we got some upcoming events. What's going on? Yeah, so we've got the Connecticut Futures Caucus is having a meeting on August 14th. It's a Sunday. It's going to be at 930 in the morning. It's going to be held at Teamsters Local 671, which is in Bloomfield. The address is going to be 22 Britain Drive. And if you want more information, you can email Dave Lucas at futures at teamsters1150.org. Cool. And then we've got the scholarship golf tournament coming up. It's the 20th annual tournament. This is what supports all of our scholarships that the local gives out. 
Um, it's going to be held on September 10th at the Alliance Club at Oxford Greens. The cost is $160 per person, so that's $640 per foursome. Registration and lunch start at noon, and then there's a shotgun start at 1 o'clock. So for more information, you can email ed at teamsters1150.org, and we're going to have the registration packets on the app and on the website as well. Oh, that's cool. Um, this is a great event, folks. You won't if, register it, it, through if the you, app. If you have not taken part in this tournament and you're a golfer, sign up. Right, This is a great time. It's a really good tournament. Um, everybody has fun. And if you're not a golfer, volunteer, right? Volunteer to come and help out. There's a lot of stuff to do um, to, to make this day happen. And and that's a good time too, right? Volunteering for that tournament is a good time too. So uh, get involved so that, you know, our kids can get college scholarships. Um, so labor activity. We've pretty much spent the entire episode talking about what's going on out there in the labor movement. But but what else is going yeah, we on? We do then? have a little more. So okay. the workers in Lynnhurst, New Jersey, at medieval times have decided to throw down the gauntlet to the company <laughs> and swing the broadsword a bit. <laughs> and um, I love it. A group of 40 actors and event staff are joining the American Guild of Variety Artists. That's a thing. Yeah, I guess, I guess so, because they're they're actors at medieval times. Okay. And have a, a voice in their workplace, uh, citing issues like safety, pay, and health insurance. They won their union by a vote of 26 to 11. Okay. Um, Is a guild a union? I don't know. You tell <laughs> According uh, Maybe to not you. every guild, I but don't know. hopefully this guild I'm is. I'm so leery of these, uh, of these organizations that call themselves guilds. but um, I always think the lollipop but, guild. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, but, and we'd like to welcome you. So uh, I, I'm, I'm, um, I'm a little leery, but I'm kind of just joking, right? This is a great thing, right? This is a good thing. So what else? What? Uh, so the CEO of the, co- uh, the company, Perico Montana, sent uh, an email to all the employees uh, at the chain's castles, except for the f- <laughs> to the 40 workers in Lyndhurst uh, who, who uh, were eligible to vote, that the, the company is going to uh, bargain in good faith as the law requires, but they are focused on the best interest of the company. Uh, Hmm. He doesn't mean the kingdom. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah I right. know. The company's no. He also said the company is no longer permitted to do uh, deal directly with the employees uh, on, about workplace issues. So hopefully they're going to make this. Medieval Times is going to make good on this one. See, and this is, um, you know, it's just another example, right, of the problems that we have with companies ignoring union votes or, you know, kind of crapping all over a union vote, right, because they know that the trouble they can get in is really minimal. Right. Right. Because the NLRB has no teeth. Yeah. And it's really frustrating. Right. These folks know what they're doing. Yeah. They know exactly what they're doing. And there's there's no repercussions. And for people that don't know, the NLRB in the past few years has gotten more teeth than in the past. Yeah. Yeah. So we're actually not at our worst point, which is right. So it needs to get better. Um, what else, Vinny? Trader so, Joe's? Yeah, Trader Joe's. So the vote is probably going to be over by the time everyone hears this, but that's okay. The election is set to take place on July 27th, 28th for the location in Hadley, Massachusetts. The workers are having uh, having or had, when you hear this, a rally on Saturday the 23rd to uh, drum up support for their, their unionizing drive. There's also an active organizing drive happening in a second city which is uh minneapolis uh minnesota uh i don't know i couldn't find when uh they're gonna have their vote hopefully that's gonna happen soon but trader joe's is gonna is gonna try to thwart this organizing drive and thwart the union by they just announced better compensation and benefits package to try to stop what's going on so uh some of the changes that are included in this package uh, are a $10 an hour premium for Sundays, which if anybody's listening that's from this union, it should be double time or time and a half. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, it should be double time. Yeah. Right, on a Sunday. A $10 hour, a $10 an hour premium. 
That probably is double time at Trader Joe's. Well, <laughs> it might be well, over double time. Yeah, it might well, be. You, yeah, it, what's the federal federal minimum wage is up around seven, 12 now, right? 725. Get it out of here. But what is it in Connecticut? I believe it's higher. $14, it's more, $14 an hour. 14, 15, yeah, yeah. It's higher. Because we just hit 14. I think we're going to 15 next year. How come? Because we're a pro union state. Yeah. <laughs> I think it could still be better. Sure. Um, uh, uh, they're also going to raise how quick you accrue paid time off. Okay. Uh, they're giving some of the new crew crew members raises, I guess, to bring them up to where uh, some people that have been working there a while are. And they're providing a 20% discount in the store. Yeah, just just a 20% discount in the store. That's great. It always amazes me. You know, you see these Walmarts and you see like big Y stop and shop, especially your lower paid workers should be able to shop for the things they need at cost. Yeah. There's no need for I them agree. to rip a profit from people that are putting 40 hours into work in their Absolutely. business. Absolutely. A thousand percent. Um, so Trader Joe's is going to give you a 20% discount on cheese doodles made with garbanzo beans. <laughs> What's one of their products names? No, thank you. One of their funny, funny names. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. You, you know, Do- listen. Dr. If, Joe's soda. If anybody what? out there who works at Trader Joe's is listening to this, that's that's pretty doubtful. But if you are, listen, just tell the company no thanks on the 20% discount. You'll be able to afford to pay full price once you join a union. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Right? So say no. What else? So uh, congressional staffers, staffers working for eight House lawmakers filed petitions to unionize to become the first employees to move forward with unionization on Capitol Hill. This is uh, on the heels of that law being passed, right, that allows them to now form unions. I have that. I have that in here, too. So uh, a total of 85 staffers submitted petitions for representation to the Office of Congressional Workplace Rights, marking a significant step in the year-plus push for collective bargaining within the halls of Congress. In May, the U.S. uh, House passed a resolution allowing congressional staffers to unionize. Right, and yeah, we talked about that on the podcast. And so staffers who join the effort are employed by these Congress people, Representative uh, Cory Bush from Missouri— Jesus Garcia from Illinois, Ro Khanna from California, Andy Levin from Michigan, Ted Lieu from California, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from New York, Alan Omar from Minnesota, and Mel- Melanie Stansberry from New Mexico. No Republicans? No. I'm sorry. Now, I wonder, were they encouraged by the people they work for? You know, were they welcoming of it? This group, yes. Yeah, yeah. I would guess that that's the case. Um, awesome. Uh, that that's good stuff. We talked a lot about the labor movement today. I think a lot of good stuff. Again, I hope people aren't sick of hearing about Starbucks. We're going to continue to talk about Starbucks as that story continues. It's it's an exciting time in the labor movement, um, particularly at Starbucks, and hopefully soon at Amazon. Um, things are you know things are moving a little. Maybe bit we can get Amazon. a Starbucks in the shop and yeah, unionize and them. unionize it. <laughs> We should unionize the cafeteria workers. Uh, they, they are. I union. agree. Are they? Yes. Well, they are, but okay. they are I think union. they need a stronger union. They are union, and they would appreciate if our members stopped using the self checkout. Yeah. So yeah. please yes. stop please. using the self checkout. If please. anyone remembers that calf, I mean, in Stratford, mm-hmm. used to be two sides that were fully functioning with all different options and yep. stuff. And a friend of mine told me that the way they work is they get like a multi-year contract. So they'll have like a 10-year deal. They'll be good for the first two years. They'll suck yep. for seven. Yep. And then they'll be good for the last year. So wow. they get another contract. Yeah. But they but, treat their workers poorly. It, it, yeah, they do. And, and that's and, what bugs and me And it about comes that down place. to whether or not we as customers are going to stand by and allow that to Absolutely. happen. Absolutely. It does take action from customers. I'm going to tell you, I don't say this to pat myself on the back. I went shopping the other day at BJ's. On behalf of the union, I was I was buying stuff for new employee orientation, um, and and I got all my stuff up to the cash registers, and there was not one single cashier available. It was nothing but self checkout. I found there was one kid there. He had a bottle of Windex in his hand and a roll of paper towels. He was cleaning the screens on the self checkout registers, and I asked him if there was a manager available. I said, "Go get me a manager." The manager came downstairs. And I said, I either need a cashier or I'm going to ask you to take my carriage and put all my stuff back, right? Because awesome. I'm not going to use the self-checkout. 
And she said, well, um, you know, I guess I can take your stuff back. And I said, really? That's what you're going to do? You're going <laughs> you're, you're to lose my business? And she said, no, 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 I'll, I'll check you out. And she said, why don't you want to use the self-checkout? And I said, because you don't employ anybody as, anymore. You, <laughs> Including you, me. Right. Yeah. You have machines. Yes. I don't work here. Right. You have machines now. And, and I said, I'm doing this for you right? To, to help you bring better jobs to this town. Right. And, and she understood and she checked me out. Um, and I made sure she checked me out at a, at a register that didn't give me a yellow receipt. So Rocco didn't yell at me for doing self-checkout. Um, but she understood and she told me, you know, she said, I agree with you that this is a bad thing. And she said, do me a favor, use the, the, the website on the bottom of the receipt and, you know, fill out a survey and complain about that. She said, because we could use more people here. It's a problem. So it's a problem everywhere, right? And it takes us to take action, to mm -hmm. your point, Jason, right? Yeah. Yep. So when you go in there to the cafeteria, don't use the self-checkout, no. right? Don't use it. Stand in line and use the, and then complain to the manager that you were standing in line for too long, yep. right? Yeah, you're going to get price gouged there no matter what. So <laughs> yeah. whether or not you stand up for the people yeah, that are yes. working there, you know, we really saw in the pandemic how much they, they laid off tons of their staff in the cafeteria and put more and more on the workers, especially on the off shifts. Yeah. And as a customer, I think what you see is probably not as quick service and people yeah. are easy to get annoyed. Hmm. But what you don't see is the suffering behind the scenes of the few people left trying to run that business. Yep. And to your question, Vin, you won't see a Starbucks in the shop because that company gets an exclusive contract yeah. so that nobody else can sell. That's yeah. actually why we don't have the food trucks that visit the plant anymore. Yeah. Yep. So what if we made them 1150 members in the cafeteria? Yeah, it's sc it'd scare their management like they deserve to be scared. <laughs> yeah, you got to you got to decertify <laughs> and certify. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not trying to yeah. crap on their union, but yeah, let's I think just they need a, I folks. think they need a uh I a agree. scare. All right, so as always, we're going to end this episode with a labor quote. What do you got for us, so man? I got a couple, and we're feeling a little presidential today. So. All right. Only a fool would try to, to deprive working men and working women of their right to join the union of their choice. And that was Dwight D. Eisenhower, our 34th president, and he was also a four-star general. One of the great presidents. Yes. Right? And, th and this one's a little near and dear to my heart. It's a little longer. No business which depends on the existence on paying less than a, a living wages to its workers has any right to continue in this country. By business, I mean the whole of commerce as well as the whole of industry. By workers, I mean all workers, the white collar class as well as the men in overalls. And by living wages, I mean more than a beer subsistence level. I mean the wages of a decent living. And that was our great president, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. FDR. A 32nd president, and he uh longest serving president in American history, and the president who signed the National Labor Relations Act into law, establishing the right to collective bargaining. End of quote. Repeat the line. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I... So, um, so, so that's going to do it for, for this episode of the 10 to 12 podcast. As always, remember to email us. Tell us what you like about the podcast. Tell us what you hate about the podcast. We want to make this what you want to hear. So shoot us an email at comms at teamsters1150.org. That's C-O-M-M-S at teamsters1150.org. Remember to follow us on Podbean. If you're not following us, shame on you. Go to Podbean right now and follow the 10 to 12 podcast. But as always, we appreciate you downloading. We appreciate you listening. Until next time, I'm Stephen French. I'm Vinny Kaitsi. And I'm Jason Shoemaker. We'll see you next time.